0: In this episode, Flying During COVID-19, how to get the cheapest seats and what your airport experience looks like in 2020. Welcome to the World Nomads podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus,
1: and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. <laughs>
0: Hi, it's Kim and Phil with you and our chat with Scott Keyes from Scott's Cheap Flight says what it is shortly. He'll unpack all of that. But Phil, if you take a look at Instagram, it would appear that the whole of Europe, I was getting really frustrated, is almost back to a relatively normal travel life. There are people in Italy. There are people that have gone on vacation to Greece. There are even Americans in Croatia, not to mention domestic travel in the UK and America. But is that
1: the case? Is that the reality? Well, not for me anymore because I've switched off social media because I don't want to look at that. (laughs) Fair enough. Good idea, actually. Yeah, but look, it may appear that way, but borders are still shut. Restrictions are still in place. And as we know, things can change in a flash. So why don't you bookmark our travel safety alerts page on World Nomads? You'll be uh, look under resources in our show notes and uh, get to that link there. And it's updated all the time. Millie does a great job researching all those as well. But in short, do your research before you book a destination and make sure to educate yourself on how to stay safe. Don't be complacent. Avoid standing in long queues, wear that face mask, practice social distancing, wash your hands and double check. That is, make sure you have the most up-to-date information on your flight and the country. It's landing in too. You don't want to get stranded that way.
0: Well, at the time of recording, we're seven months into this pandemic. So I think that's a great piece of wisdom, not to be complacent, just to remind ourselves that... We have to look after our, our health. Scott Keys is going to talk about that. He's the founder of Scott's Cheap Flights. And basically, they source, as I said earlier, it says what it does on, on the, the can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they source amazing deals to the best destinations. In fact, you can save up to 90%. What? But, yeah, yeah, seriously. But first, it's always fun to find out how these companies take flight. Pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. Oh.
2: Scott's Flights started very Serendipitously, you know, most people uh, who found a startup these days they did so because they had really wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, they had spent years thinking about different ideas and trying to come up with all you know what was going to be their their million dollar plan for a company and how were they going to do it. And I did none of those things. Um, not not out of hubris, not because I thought it was better. Because I've never considered starting a company or never considered really even getting into the travel world. I was a journalist by trade. I used uh, and worked for years in political journalism uh, out of college. And if you know one thing about journalists, uh, uh, especially in the US, it's not a very financially lucrative industry. And so I was out of college, very poor, Trying to make ends meet, but also, you know, as young, I still really wanted to travel. And so, trying to figure out okay, I've got a very meager bank account and I've got all these places I want to see. What, how do I do this? You know, what, like I'd watched airfares and saw them bop around, you know, one day they were really high, one day they were alone. It's like, how does this work? What, you know, what sort of, uh, uh, what's going on here? And I almost, and then kind of undertook it as a, a hobby. A challenge where I started to really study airfare, watch the way it behaved, get a sense of sort of how to predict what was going to happen to it, and uh, spent years doing that. And it all then culminated, this is back in, gosh, December, I think, of 2013, when I got the best deal that I've ever gotten in my life. And that's still true to this day. It was uh, New York City to Milan for 130 bucks round trip. Which is that? That's probably what, like, 175 or 200 Australian dollars yeah. return. It's cheap. It's like cheap. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, you know, that's a flight that normally costs eight, nine hundred dollars, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I had no plans to go to Milan that morning when I woke up, but when you find a price like that, when you find a, a flight like that, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, absolutely. I'd be willing to go to Italy for 130 bucks. So bought the ticket. Had an amazing trip. It was really, really wonderful. When I got back, all my friends and coworkers kept coming up to me. I guess word had spread and they kept coming up to me Hey, Scott, I heard about that great deal you got. Uh, next time you find a deal like that, do you mind letting me know too? And so, you know, by the time I'd heard this from the seventh or eighth person, I realized, gosh, why don't I just start a simple little email list? And that way I can let everybody know at the same time.
0: Well, we'll put our membership sign-up details in show notes. But one thing I'm sensing is that you need to have a sense of flexibility. You, you have to get out of the mindset that we leave on Saturday morning and come mm-hmm. back the following Sunday.
2: You know, I think that's both true and not true. Um, the way that it's true is it's absolutely the case that the more flexible you are, the better your likelihood of getting a, a a cheap flight. But the way it's not true is we think of that oftentimes as, oh, you have to compromise on the things that you really want. Uh, you know, you, you have to really kind of, you can get a cheap flight, but it's going to take uh, you know, it's going to have five stops or it's going to be on some terrible airline that you've never heard of or stuff like that. Um, in reality, oftentimes the best flights can be, you know, the, the cheapest flights can be the best flights. That deal that I got from New York City to Milan for 130 bucks, it was nonstop on United, included check baggage. Like it was an amazing deal. We sent one uh, uh, not too long ago, Business class from the U.S. to all over Southeast Asia—you know, Bali, Bangkok, Vietnam, elsewhere—for about six hundred bucks round trip. That's a flight that normally goes for five thousand. So while it's true that uh, uh, you know the more flexibility you have, the better your likelihood of getting a deal. I wouldn't confuse that with it being um, oh, you're going to have to. You know, take some terrible flights in order to get that. We one of the thing one of our principles Gusty flights is all the deals we send have to pass what's called the bestie test. You know, is this the type of fare that you is this a flight that you uh, uh, would want to buy for your best friend? And so, it not only does it have to be cheap, but it also has to be a good flight. You know, it has to have good routing, be on a decent airline, not have a ton of fees, all that type of stuff. But the the last point that I'll make here is that um, traditionally the way that people plan vacation is what I call the destination first method. It's a three-step process. Step one, uh, you decide where you want to go. Step two, you decide when you want to go there. And only on step three do you think about, well, what is the what is the flight cost? How do I get there? And by setting flights and setting price as the third order priority, it's not terribly surprising that people end up with some pretty expensive flights. And so what I recommend is that if, if you wanna make, if, you know, if cheap flights are a priority, if that's important to you to get cheap flights, make it a priority, take that three-step process and flip it on its head, what I call the flight first method. Step one, where are there cheap flights out of your home airport? Step two of all the places where there are cheap flights, which ones interest you, and then step three of you know wh- where there are cheap flights and interest you, are there dates where those cheap flights are available that work for your schedule? And so, by setting price as the number one priority rather than than destination, you can still go to tons of places on your bucket list, but be able to do so in a way that you're saving a lot of money in the process, rather than you know by paying. $1,000 to go to Milan, even though there were some $300 flights to Japan uh, available that you just missed because you didn't happen to be searching them or because you didn't get an alert about them.
0: Let's address the elephant in the room. It's uh, This conversation that you and I are having sounds pre-pandemic. Are people still flying?
2: Uh, yes and no. Uh, at least in the US, uh, something, uh, a little over 800,000 people got on a plane today. Um, they, uh, which is a lot, but it's also about 65, 70% lower than it was this day one year ago. Um, so it's definitely significantly diminished from, from where it was, but there it's not as though nobody is, is flying or getting on airplanes. It's still, uh, somewhat common activity.
0: I know you don't have a crystal ball. Um, we talk about tra- travel post-COVID, but we're kind of shifting at World Nomads, the com- the conversation also towards learning to travel through COVID-19. Mm-hmm.
2: Do,
0: you, do you agree that there will be such a thing that we just need to learn
2: to live with it? I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um one is, there, there are a lot of people who predict, oh, this will be the death of travel. Nobody's gonna get on airplanes anymore. I, I'm reminded of that saying that nothing is as, as important as it feels like in the moment. Um, and, and what reminded me of that today was seeing a, a short clip on, on Twitter of a packed, crowded uh, cons, rock concert in Wuhan I mean, there were thousands and thousands of people all getting together, partying together. Obviously this was the epicenter of the virus, but because it's been mostly gotten under control there, life has started to return back to normal. And what happens when life is able to return back to normal? We wanna do all the things that we love to do. We wanna make up for lost time. And so I think once people feel safe and comfortable traveling again, absolutely they're gonna be getting back on planes. It won't happen overnight. It'll be a a gradual climb, more less a V-shaped recovery, and more of a Nike swoosh. But uh, um, I'm very bullish on the future of, of travel and the future of flying. The question, though, of like uh, flying during the pandemic is a really interesting one um, because one of the things that we hear so often is a you know you shouldn't be indoors. Uh, um, it, it, it's especially, you know, it's a, an airborne virus that especially spreads a- indoors, but also it's especially spreads in close quarters. And so you want to have social distancing. You want to keep, you know, six feet. What is it? Two meters, one meter. I'm so bad at the metric system. I apologize. <laughs> no, 1.5 meters. 1.5 meters. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um so, you know, you want to keep that distance, which is a really difficult thing to do on an airplane. Uh, you know, even on, in the best of circumstances, uh, there's some airlines in the US that are blocking out middle seats. Even then you're talking about an extra 18 inches, you know, a foot and a half, like it's it, it, virtually nothing. So people uh, understandably have the assumption that uh, you know airplanes are a a must be a terrible place to be during a pandemic must be a real vector of transmission and scientists have actually studied this they've looked at it uh, uh done a lot of different uh, um you know angles and, and 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 studies on it and what they've found is that it is way safer to be on an airplane than most people expect and you know again it 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 was shocking to me even to me when i when i read this to realize like why, you know, people are in closed quarters for hours at a time indoors. Um, but the reason why it turns out flying is much safer than most people expect is a rather than there not being any fresh air on board. You know, we think of airplanes as a hermetically sealed environment where there's no fresh air from the moment you take off to the moment you you touch down. Rather than that being the case, in fact. Oxygen is constantly being sucked in uh, uh, to the plane during the flight. Uh, you know, it's brought. Uh, there are these like really kind of fancy uh, uh, vents and engine uh, through the engine that bring in fresh oxygen throughout continuously throughout the flight. But what's even more important is they have what are called HEPA filters. So these are hospital-grade air filters that are constantly uh, 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 essentially purifying the air uh, every couple of minutes, the entire air cabin is, is uh, flowed through these air filters and that are killing you know, 99.97% of, of particles. Layer on top of that, the fact that masks are now required for all flights in the U.S., um, uh, they've gotten rid of basically all exceptions and the fact that you know everybody's facing the same direction, not usually talking very much—it's not like a, a choir practice where we're singing one, at one another and really kind of like belting out air particles. All of these factors tend to combine in and in, in making air travel much safer than people might expect, and that's the reason why you know they've gone back and looked at when at what are called super spreading events—you know where multiple people get sick—and it turns out there's only been one confirmed case of a flight since the pandemic where multiple multiple people on board got sick. Uh, and you, know, th- you have to remember that there have been tens of millions of people who have flown, even just in the US since the pandemic began. The fact that there's only one instance of a super spreading event, I think really underscores that it's a much safer thing than most people expect. All that said, and then I'll wrap up here, is that vacations should be fun. Travel should be fun, and 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 you know, for me, I take a lot of comfort in hearing that. I it, it feels very comfortable. It would feel very safe and comfortable for me to be on an airplane. For a lot of people, they'd still be very, very worried, very tense, very uncomfortable. And I don't think anybody should feel pressured to get on a plane or to take a vacation before they're ready and before they feel comfortable because vacations should be fun. It should be something that you're doing uh, uh, to, to, to take stress away, not to add stress. And so even you know knowing, being able to separate fact from fiction about air quality on a plane, if you're still like, ah, I just don't know, it doesn't feel like it, it still feels risky to me, it's still not worth it, you 100% have my blessing to say like, yeah you know, take, take kick up your heels, wait a while longer. Paris is still going to be there next year. Tokyo is still going to be there. Sydney is still going to be there for us Americans to be able to hopefully, fingers crossed, come visit again.
0: Well, yeah, fingers crossed when that will happen. But you've touched on the precautions that the uh, airlines have put in place, like, you know, not booking out that middle seat. Can you speak to what happens from check-in to security? Uh, do you know what's happening there? And even, you know, airport restaurants, you know, where you sit down and, and have a bite or mm. even a beer before you jump onto mm. a, a plane. Do you know how that's changed?
2: Much, it's much less common. You know, there, uh, a lot of the sort of ways that people would spend killing time before a flight are either closed up, Shuttered um, you know many of them aren't available many of the restaurants just do sort of takeaway for people to be able to spread out or the tables are much more separated everything is much more contactless um, some of the you know restaurants will let you order on your phone the uh, security and the check-in agents oftentimes you know they won't even take your your items you hold it up to them for them to to read. And so there's a real emphasis on on uh, uh, everything being as contactless as possible. One of the interesting changes that, that happened here is uh, some of the uh, kind of in-airport um, kiosks uh, have actually converted to becoming COVID testing sites. But in general, I think people are trying to spend much less time at the airport before trying to get there, um, you know, just spend your time in the airport as, as distant from other people as, as, as possible. And then, uh, you know, get on your flight and be on your way. It's much, it's, it's more of a, a sort of like less of a relaxing, just like go hang out, you know, kick up your heels, have a beer and more just kind of like, let's just grit our teeth, get through this and get to where we're going.
0: Thank you, Scott. Now I don't know about you, Phil. Actually, I do know about you. A Beer at the airport has always been part of that traveling experience. True. It's kind of the oh, yes. and It doesn't, doesn't
1: matter what time of day it is. Once you get to an airport, <laughs> you can have a beer. <laughs>
0: That's what I always say. There are no time zones in airports. We share an article in show notes in which scientists, as Scott touched on, say that Catching COVID on a plane is slimmer than you think. In fact, to quote this article, based on short-haul flights in the US, planes configured with three seats on either side of the aisle, like the Airbus 320 and the Boeing 737, and assuming, obviously, that everyone is wearing a mask, the risk of catching the virus on a full flight is just one in 4,300 people. Those odds fall to one thousand, one, sorry, I can't do maths. Let's go back. Uh, full flight is just one in 4,300 people. Those odds fall to one in 7,700 people if the middle seat is vacant. But don't take my word for it, please. Have a look at that article.
1: Yeah, look, I, know, I, I think I'll find something else as well about what the chances are of being hit by lightning. I, I think it's probably... You know, a good figure to put in there as well. I'll find that one for you as well, Kim. Good one. Good. Look, if you've flown during the pandemic and would like to share your experience, email us at podcast at worldnomads.com. In the meantime, don't forget to rate, share, subscribe to the World Nomads Travel podcast from wherever you get your favorite pods. Bye. Bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.